The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended for use as a diagnosis or treatment of a health problem or as a substitute for consulting a licensed medical professional. Any information obtained by participating as a podcast listener is not intended to and should not be considered to constitute medical advice. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the authors or guests and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of UTMB. Thank you for listening. Adult 3 Survival Tips Podcast, The Portfolio Project. I'm Dr. Roy Trahan, and my co-host is Dr. Chris Edwards. Our speaker is Ms. Morgan Cangelosi. In today's podcast, she will discuss tips on creating a professional portfolio. Before we begin, can you please give our listeners a brief professional background? Hello, thank you for having me. Um, My background is about seven and a half years of ICU. I worked in surgical intensive care. And prior to that, I worked in uh, med surge, a variety of different med surge units for about four and a half years. Um, I've worked per diem. I've worked um, just regular med surge units, trauma, cardiovascular surgery um, with heart patients. So a variety of different patients. And I just, I really enjoy critical care. It's just a fun area to work in. That's great to know. And now that we know you a little, let's jump right in. Dr. Edwards, do you want to ask our first question? Sure. So, Morgan, can you tell me what a portfolio is and why it's important for the students? Yeah, we created this as a way for students to demonstrate what they are as a holistic nurse. So when they're interviewing, they can present something to the interviewer and to the hiring managers that lets them know that they're more than just a resume. It's going to show some of your leadership, your communication skills. It's going to show some of your volunteering that you've done. It helps paint you as more of a a whole picture. And so this was developed using the Essentials of Baccalaureate Education for Professional Nursing Practice, which is objectives that every nursing school is aiming for their graduates to meet. That's how we're accredited. And so hiring managers are anticipating that graduate nurses meet these essentials. So the portfolio is designed to say, okay, here's how I've met these portfolios and gives them a more full picture of you as a a candidate. So what's included in it, Morgan? Well, each page addresses a different essential. So it's designed to demonstrate that you're a well-rounded candidate. So it starts with an intro page. Then you've got some background about your education, your skills. You know, if you've gotten any awards, kind of demonstrates what you've done there. We've got information on your use of technology and informatics because that's, you know, where healthcare is moving. Uh, Leadership and what you've done in leadership. And keep in mind, this isn't always mean that you're the president of a club or you know, an assigned leader, it might mean that you led a group project, or maybe you're going to use leadership to say how you work well as a team player. There's communication, there's evidence-based practice, population health, uh, there's critical thinking and clinical judgment. So as you run through, these are components that make make up a nurse, and it, you're going to demonstrate how do I do this. So I noticed that on one of the pages, it said that they should include a professional picture. What do you mean by a professional picture? Is that like a professional photographer took it? So this I realized was my mistake when I used professional photo. I perhaps didn't realize that was an ambiguous term. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that a professional photograph by a professional photographer. 
you want a picture where you look professional. So if you're thinking, let me use a picture by a professional photographer, and your last time was when you were in somebody's wedding, and it's you, and you've cut out all the other people, and their shoulders hanging off you, and arms, this doesn't look that great when it's in a portfolio. You probably look lovely, but you want to present yourself professionally. So that means avoid the car photos. I got to tell you, my background is trauma nursing, and I see these, and I'm going, dear God, I hope you're not driving while you took this. Right. And you've got to uh, think about no cropped photos. Um, you want to be wearing something that you would wear to an interview. So it might be, you know, casual, might be a little bit professional, might be scrubs. You don't have to be inside. I've seen some very nice pictures taken on UTMB's campus. I've seen some at the beach where somebody's wearing professional attire. Um, they actually look really nice on the beach when people wear their white coat with their scrubs take a picture. And so just think what things would you want to, to portray? This is, you know, how do you want to represent yourself in a professional setting? You know, I understand that students often have difficulty developing uh, appropriate professional goals. So I was wondering, you know, what are some of the good goals as you see it that the students need to consider? So when you're thinking about goals, first, these should be professional goals. So you want to avoid goals like I'm going to be married at this time or I want to have kids at this time. Um, leave your personal life out of an interview. You don't want somebody to, to get involved in your personal life when you're representing yourself professionally. Those aren't necessarily the same thing. So keep these to professional goals. And think about things that are are first what you want to do, right? Do you have career goals? Are you thinking that you want to go back to school? And it's okay to be ambiguous. This doesn't necessarily have to be a SMART goal where you learned, you know, back in adult two, you learned about SMART goals. This can be something where you say, I want to go back to school, but I'm not sure what. You also might consider things like, do you want to be a charge nurse? Do you want to be a preceptor? Do Some of you might be interested in becoming a certified translator, especially if you're bilingual. Uh, you might be interested in being a super user with something, or you might be interested in a project. You know, some of you have been doing Bambi, and you might be interested in bringing some of the aspects from Bambi into your unit. So think about some of the things that you've enjoyed that you might like to bring to that unit. In addition to, you know, what are your long-term goals, if you're interested in going back to school, that kind of thing. But there's a lot more to this than just going back to school. So... So do you think a common or a goal of getting their certification in their specialty within the first couple of years is a good example too? That's another great goal. And I've seen some students say that I want to be certified in the the unit that I'm working on. I want to become a specialist. And and for those of you that aren't familiar with certification, this is really a great way to say I have expertise in this specialty. So for example, I am critical care certified as a nurse, which means that I have expertise in critical care. And units like for their nurses to be certified. So that's something if you're interested in being an expertise, that's another way to say, hey, I'm good at this. So I think that's an absolutely excellent goal. Okay. And do you also think that they should break it up into like short term and long term? You know, in the, the portfolio, we've got five years and 10 years. And so it's something to kind of think, what are your short term? What are your long term? 
And the portfolio is really something that you can cater to yourself. So you might say, you know, I'd really actually like to do this in the first year. I'd like to be, perhaps your goal is to be comfortable on your own. That's a goal that you want to have to feel like you can walk in and you're not going to be the nurse that requires the most help from the charge nurse. And I, I, that might sound silly when you're listening to it, but it takes a long time to get comfortable, right? So I remember as a, both as a new grad and then when I transitioned into ICU, I was excited to actually be asked to take the most difficult patients on the unit. When they would come in and the charge nurse would say, do you want to take this? And that was such an honor to me because it meant that I had hit a point where the charge nurse trusted me with that patient and it meant that they felt I would do good, but it also was a learning opportunity for me. And so those are some things where you might think that you want to be, you want to articulate how am I going to be a go-to nurse on this unit. And so that's where some of the things like precepting comes in, certification, potentially being the charge nurse or somebody that can take a difficult assignment. And you could even put a goal is that you don't want to be the nurse the charge nurse worries about the most after your first year. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> so um, earlier you mentioned that uh, one of the options that new nurses may have, our nurses may have, is that they may want to use um, uh, their different language skills. Um, mm -hmm. Because they're bilingual, they may mm -hmm. want to use this as an in interpreter role. So how do these students get involved in uh, addressing becoming a bilingual interpreter? So first, if you are bilingual, that is a really good skill to add. When you're looking at that page and ask, what are your skills? Say, you know, I speak these languages. You know, I speak more than English. And you'll notice on some job postings, they say, you know, this language, it's like I've seen some that say Spanish preferred, you know, where they're really looking for somebody depending on the patient population. And there's a, it depends where you are, what second languages are, are frequently helpful, but they're looking for that. Hospitals want that. And so this gets into uh, logistics at hospitals and, and probably a little bit of legalese, but I'll give you some background. So probably 10-ish years ago. Uh, I was working in the SICU, and we would get a lot of patients in from the SICU that did not speak English, and they spoke a variety of different languages. And so we started using Google Translate. The app had come out. We're using Google Translate. And a patient would come in, and we would pull it up, and, you know, you can say things into it. So the, we could set it so the patient could speak to us, and it would translate, and then we could translate back to them. And administration got word of this. They were not pleased with us. So the issue is that you cannot verify, as a nurse, I, the hospital is responsible for the education I am giving to the patient. But I can't verify that that translation is correct. So the best example I have for this is the words in Spanish for beer and head are one letter off, right? And I can't say either one of them in Spanish, but I know they're one letter off. Do you all know the words? <laughs> Cerveza. Oh, cerveza and cabeza. <laughs> yes. And so the problem is that if this gets translated slightly differently, all of a sudden, instead of telling the patient to be careful with their head, you're telling them be careful with your beer. This is a problem. And so <laughs> hospitals want translators yeah. that are certified translators, which means they can actually do the translation. There is a 
person where if the translation is is incorrect, which that's the part of certification is that you're avoiding that. You're having people who know that they're translating correctly. So there are translation services, uh, and then there are translators, people who are certified. They speak two languages or potentially more than two languages. They've actually tested to be a certified translator, and they can translate. So I mentioned this for a couple of reasons. First, if you speak more than one language, that is absolutely an asset to a hospital, to a nurse manager, to your patient care. That should absolutely be in your portfolio. However, if you have used Google Translate as a way to communicate with a patient, which I totally understand, and as I've said before, I've done it myself, I would like you to learn from my errors and my mistakes and recognize that might not be your best communication technique that you want to share in your portfolio for your communication example. And you may want to think of some other times when you've communicated well with your patients because hiring managers are going to see that probably from a different light than you're seeing it from. They may be very understanding to where you're coming from, but you might not want to highlight that, you know, and just consider it something you didn't know and move on. You know, what I've seen in several hospitals with technology evolving the way that it is, a lot of hospitals are now using iPads that mm -hmm. roll into the room and there is a translator that the hospital uses uh, they're in the room with the patient and the nurse or the doctor. So it's become a lot more convenient than it used to be. There are some hospitals that have dual um, phone mm -hmm. uh, receivers and where the, the patient is on the phone and you're on the phone and the, the translator translates through the telephone. And those services are so amazing. They're absolutely wonderful. And I want to mention with these services, they are something that are so easy to use if you're the nursing staff. And I had a patient, and he came in. He was Spanish-speaking, and he had a family member at bedside. And his family member also was – he spoke some English, but it was conversational English. And there's a big difference between medical jargon, even if you're a native English speaker, and conversational talk in any language and so his family member would you know I would ask questions and he would talk to me and he was answering and it was a lot of you know yes how is this going but I was a little bit concerned he wasn't fully understanding everything I was saying and so when I took the the translator iPad in I took it in and I pulled it up and I I asked my questions and I talked to the patient and at the end I said to the translator I said I'm going to turn you to the family member and I want you to ask them what questions they have for me and I was in there for another 30 minutes answering questions because he understood some but not everything and so please be aware that people don't always the people who do they want to understand, they recognize you're in there helping, and they, they don't want to be a burden. So please make that effort with them to make sure they're getting the care that they need. I also think one of the neatest things about using the iPads now is also you can use that for translation to the deaf because they have somebody on the other end that can sign to them, which, you know, before when we just used the phones, we weren't able to do that. Excellent observation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so my next question for you is, there's a lot of information that's in this portfolio, but what if there's something in the portfolio that may not apply to a student? What should they do? So generally speaking, I would say delete that question. Remember that this is a template. We're not grading you on have you answered every question. These are ideas to get you thinking about what examples do you have. So one example that 
only a few students really get a lot of experience with is Makerspace and Maker Health. And so, you know, students who have done a project on that or if they've been in there with their clinicals, they should talk about that. It's a great innovative opportunity. It is a really unique something to bring to an interview. But if you haven't done that, that might be a good thing to just delete that question. Or there's another question about have you written to a senator or a, an elected official about healthcare policy? If you've done that, that is so amazing. That's a great way to put nor- nursing forward, and that speaks to your character. And I've seen students include a picture of that letter and explain a little bit about what they've done. If you haven't done that, that's okay. Most of us have not. Or if we have, a lot of times I will write to somebody and it's because I'm part of a professional organization and they send out a, a basically like an auto template where I put in my information. It recognizes who my elected official is and it sends it out. So it's not, it's low effort on my part, but it gets the impact across. That's okay, but that's not the same thing as students who have handwritten a letter, they've typed it, and they've sent it. That is really impressive. Think about including these things. If you haven't done that, it's not bad, but just delete that question. You don't want to bring attention to the things you have not done. You want to bring attention to the things that you have done. So just for clarification purposes, you were saying delete the question. Does that mean that if it does apply to me or the student that they should leave the question in that slide? I would completely, I would go in and completely delete it. The only times I would say maybe it's worth answering is if somebody has a plan for something they're going to do, right? Where it's something, uh, maybe with your leadership, you're taking on a new role or you have something where you're saying, okay, sometimes students feel like I don't have a lot of leadership. So you might want to cater that to teamwork and how have you participated in a team, you might not want to delete the entire slide, but you might want to say part of leadership is recognizing when you need to let the leader lead and when you need to be a team player. I guess my question, uh, maybe I didn't quite state it right, was should they leave the question on the slide and then answer it or should they just put the answer on the slide? Oh, I understand what you're saying. So, You know, a template can be set up a lot of different ways, but I would really encourage students to try and answer things where you don't need questions on the page, partly because employing employers, hiring managers are looking at a lot of information. So if you can answer the question without having the question, you can delete a lot off of there and really draw attention to the key points. So you want to think about how can I make this impactful without being, you know, if it's very wordy and somebody has only a little bit of time to look at your portfolio and the strongest pieces at the end, you want them to have time to get through the whole thing. So try and and get the important things in there, but I would leave out the questions if you can. Okay, thanks. So when developing these uh, portfolios, students always are potential employees of this organization always want to highlight special circumstances or Mm -hmm. experiences that they've had um, as part of the portfolio. So if if one of the nursing students uh, wanted to express how they prevented a patient from deteriorating, how would they go about doing that in the portfolio? Thank you for asking this because I think one thing students don't always realize is when they're recognizing that a patient is deteriorating and forgetting that. And so 
you know, I, sometimes students will have an example of when they've notified a, a nurse of a problem and they'll say, I've never prevented a patient from deteriorating. But their example demonstrates that that's not true. And so what I want students to recognize is sometimes these are small things, right? It might be notifying a nurse that the blood pressure has dropped, right? Because then we can intervene before it drops lower. That's preventing a patient from deteriorating. Maybe a blood sugar has dropped and it's, you know, it's sitting at 54 and so you get them, the patient some food. Doesn't seem like you've done a whole lot, except if it's nine o'clock at night and they're about to go to bed, you've potentially presented, prevented a patient from becoming hypoglycemic and it being a much bigger problem. And so think about, is there a time where you've recognized that a medication order is inappropriate? Is there a time you've recognized that a patient needed something or their vital signs were abnormal and it was a change from where they had been? You know, where the, what would happen if you didn't intervene, if that continued? And that's really what we mean by deteriorating. So when you see that patient, they might not be on their deathbed or it might not be a critical issue right then. And that's what you're doing. You're recognizing, I need to prevent this from happening. And so this is going to be something many students are going to be asked about in their interviews. And I really would encourage them to take some time to think about, when have I done this? Because most students have done this. So do you, do you think that proofreading this template once they're done is important? Yes, please proofread. And <laughs> please don't just use grammar check and spell check. These are great tools, and I'm not saying don't use them, but they are meant to be an assist to proofreading. They are not a proofreading replacement. And I mention this because one of the things that I notice is that students will frequently uh, spell pursue, P-U-R-S-E, which actually spells purse. <laughs> so their goals will say, I would like to purse a nurse practitioner degree. <laughs> I would like to purse my certification. And let me tell you, spell check will not pick up on this. So I really would encourage you to perhaps trade papers, you know, trade portfolios with another student so you can look through and catch some of these things. Maybe you have a family member that's aware of really good grammar and is a pretty good speller. Uh, there's also, I believe Blackboard has tools that you can put something in or they have services where you can send something in and it will be proofread. So just something to consider to make sure that you're not missing something because you want everybody to know that you're pursuing your goals. So lastly, um, what if uh, the student doesn't like the template, that Change. particular template? Change it. If you're looking and you're thinking, man, this just doesn't reflect me or I really don't like this, change the background, modify the template. You know, I will tell you that the, the topics were determined to meet the essentials. Even if you need to modify them slightly, look up what the essentials are and see how can you demonstrate that you've met these. That's the goal here, really, is to walk in and say, I'm the best candidate. And if this template doesn't do that for you and you think something else would do that, that's definitely something to consider. Now, keep in mind that if you're changing the template, you want to make sure that this is in a format that you can give to somebody who may not have the same device that you do. 
So for example, on the iPads, you can set them up so you can scroll through pictures, right? So you can have one picture and they can scroll through four pictures on the same page. Well, that's really specific to Apple products. So that's a feature you may want to be careful about if you're using in your portfolio, because if somebody doesn't have a Mac product, they're not going to be able to open that and see that. You also may want to be able to print this so that if you're presenting your, your resume, you know, a lot of times you bring your resume in, you say, here's your resume, you can give your portfolio with that as well. So you want to be able to print it. So if you included a video, that's obviously not going to print very well. So you do want to consider how is this going to be, how is a hiring manager going to receive this and how will that look? But if you don't like this template, there are many other templates. You can modify colors, you can modify formatting. And I would encourage you when you're proofreading to look at the formatting. Is this formatting work for you? Are you using the stock photo? Should you maybe take the stock photo out? Should you go ahead and find a different stock photo that isn't just elephants walking in the sunset that maybe relate to nursing a little bit more? You know, there's a lot of things you can do to make this your own. And so I'd encourage students to do that. Well, Morgan, um, Chris and I really appreciate you being here today to discuss the portfolio project. And uh, we would certainly like to invite you back at any time to discuss any topic that you feel the students need um, additional information. Thank you for having me. I look forward to coming back. Thank you. Thank you.